Welcome back in. This segment brought to you by Lubbock File Room, providing safe and secure document storage and shredding services to Lubbock and the surrounding area since 1992. For a free and hassle-free estimate, call them today at Lubbock File Room, 806-744-7666. 806-744-7666. And I give that as a real testimonial. And I think I've said before, we... You you might not have heard it. We bought a building in the former occupant. I will not point out their name other than you drank a lot of their soda. Left all the documents in the building. And you get in there and you think, "My, I've never been in a situation like this. What do I do? Like a lot of employee documentation. People were fired. Why they were fired, social securities, and you can't in good conscience just go, I mean, maybe go out to the country and just spray it with lighter fluid and set it all on fire. Right. Then you got another problem. But I began to ask around, call Lubbock Fire Room. And they rolled a truck up, put it in bins, took it away, and then gave me a certificate of destruction so that if it were ever came back on us, we could give them the certificate. That's. What Lubbock file room? And everybody has a box in their garage. That's the other deal. A box of stuff to destroy in the garage because you didn't destroy it a piece at a time in the shredder. If you got the shredder and you need it to just go away, Lubbock file room. Absolutely. That's that's my big pitch there, Lubbock file room. So we do. I'm going to begin to promote us as uh, the membrane bioreactor here because we sieve through all the boo stooge and bring you the real stuff. And... You know, I took some flack from some people. A lot of people enjoyed our Beto O'Rourke interview. It's there at OtherSideOfTexas.com. Beto is making quite a name for himself. And regardless of where you sit on the political fence, uh, Beto is is a reality in Texas politics and for because of the things that he talks about. But I think more than the way that things... We, we had this conversation the other day. Your first instinct in remembering somebody is what kind of person they were and whether or not they were a, a good SOB or a sorry SOB in your mind, right? And and that's your first memory of people. And it's just, even if you're a hardcore rock rib Republican, it's hard to not like Beto O'Rourke, which is why he's on road trips, with Will Hurd, which is why he's coming to Lubbock with Jody Arrington, Congressman Arrington, Congressman Hurd, excuse me, to do these town forums because they know politically these guys aren't dummies, Hurd and Arrington. They know that they've got a guy. They can call themselves bipartisan, and I think they were being bipartisan. I don't mean to undercut their motivation, but with Beto O'Rourke, I'm telling you right now, there are a lot of Texans, and it's just April. But we featured them on the show for a reason. And my takeaway was it's not that people like Beto. That's not why I think he has a very good chance of winning, that a lot of people like him. It's that a lot of people into it that he really likes them, which is fairly uncommon with a politician. But Beto O'Rourke stands there, and I bring all that up to cite today the Quinnipiac poll came out, and they called the race right now in April too close to call they have Cruz at 47 O'Rourke at 44 I came in on Monday I said this race is it, it's in within five points and people are like holy that's crazy stop it you're, yeah. just, you're talking nonsense and it's not to be a partisan either way it's to be the membrane bioreactor and to tell you this is a race and 
this is the story. A new poll Wednesday is from Texas Tribune suggests that the U.S. Senate race in Texas between U.S. Senator Ted Cruz and U.S. Representative Beto O'Rourke is far more competitive than many political observers have initially thought. The poll from Quinnipiac University shows that two men at a dead heat, 47 and 43, the number falls within the poll's 3.6% margin of error. The poll had another ominous warning for the GOP. President Donald Trump was underwater in Texas with 52% of respondents disapproving of him and 43% approving. Uh, okay, so whoa, whoa. These guys are not dummies. Whenever I say these guys, the Greg Abbotts, the Governor Greg Abbott, Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick, Patrick's campaign, and even though it was within the GOP primary, we'll see if he changes his tune going forward. But if he's just at 52%, and a million Democrats voted in Texas in the primary, and 1.5 million Republicans voted in the primary, excuse me, then you wouldn't take away from that what Patrick led with. And it was, I stand with Donald Trump. Like in journalism school, they taught us first five words. You lead, you ought to be able to tell the story the first five words. I stand with Donald Trump. Those were his first five words. Whenever he was standing there beside that stupid old truck that somebody was like, hey, this will be a good idea. And here's this Carhartt jacket and, you know, stuff he's never been in, drove, or worn. And he's wearing, but that was his first five words. And that was the message he wanted to convey. So, you know, reading the story, Quinnipiac's polls may may be within margin, but whenever I hear them say, well, and Donald Trump's in trouble in Texas, those guys spend a lot of money, a whole lot of money on polling, and they wouldn't lead with that. Even though it is within a GOP primary, if the numbers are that close, as they say, of approval, disapproval, they wouldn't lead with it in a primary. And I tend to trust their pollsters. You know, whenever we talk about trusting pollsters, it's almost like a porn star drawing a picture and saying, this is a man who tried to silence me. Like, oh, let's go look for that guy. Wait, who gave you that picture? What'd they do? Oh, well, she gave it. Well, maybe, maybe it's not legit. Maybe we ought to take her word with a grain of salt. And with pollsters, that's always the thing. Take it with a grain of salt. But I think Trump's doing a little bit better than 9% in Texas on the favorability gap. Cruz's favorability rating showed a polarized response. 46% of Texans have a favorable view of Ted Cruz. 44% have an unfavorable view. O'Rourke had a favorability rating of 30% of those who responded viewed him positively, while 16% had a negative view, which tells you another thing. If only 46% can answer that question, then that means that 44 have no opinion. And that's good and it's bad. It's bad that 44% of people are like, I don't know about that guy. The other thing, it's April. It's April and he's within three. And that, again, that's where I throw it back down. Forget Democrat, forget Republican. Look at two guys running against one another. And if O'Rourke's magic continues to work out for him, that 44, no, I have no opinion, he's going to begin to carve into that 44%. And nobody can see who you voted for whenever you draw the curtain. And that was a tale of, of Donald Trump. 
whenever pollster is called will you support and you think about all the stuff that's going white nationalists this woman the uh what was it the uh, hollywood tonight whatever that show was and trump said what he said in the recording like all that stuff was going on it was like oh trump's going down in flames uh, that was like late october yeah but then once you pull that curtain and you vote i mean he's in office you're not responsible I mean, you are responsible, but people don't know that you did it. And I think that they're going to, if my conversations with Republicans in Nacogdoche, not all, just a couple, and I'm not going to say their names, the feedback on favorability of Cruz in the Texas legislature, yeah, I'd say it's at about 40%. And there, there are people who wouldn't mind, they wouldn't mind Beto beating him. They wouldn't. They wouldn't mind them getting beat. Yeah, yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, I think I'd like to see some fresh faces in office. Whoa, are you endorsing Beto O'Rourke right now, little Not sister? Endorsing anyone? Okay. In so, the- well, let's move off that for just a second. Uh, today is the two hundred and forty-third anniversary. Paul Revere's ride. Red oh, coats yeah. are coming. Mm-hmm. Have you ever actually been to Paul Revere's? No. Home? It's, it's I've not ever really spent any time in the Northeast. You should go. Yeah. Well, I've been to D.C., but, that, uh, but speaking of traffic, East. like, no thank you. Oh, uh, but you walk everywhere in cities like that. There's yeah. no traffic because um, you're on foot. I, I, listen, there, there are hills that are no hills for this stepper, but uh, I'm not going to go walk around all day long. Tomorrow on this program, Pete Laney, former Speaker of the House, going to come on. That's going to be some good listen radio. On Friday, we're going to have... Brock Wagner, the CEO of St. Arnold's, come on and talk about the extortion, quote-unquote extortion fee that these craft beer guys in Texas have to pay to the big beverage guys, to the big brewers, in order to get their product out. And that's going to be great because I'm sympathetic to their cause, and so is my Friday co-host, Breitbart Texas Chief Brandon Darby, uh, We'll be on. We'll listen to Brock Wagner. If you're a craft beer IPA guy, you're going to enjoy that program coming up on Friday. I do quickly. Let's turn on this guy's microphone. You got it. My my friend and my cousin, Trey Abbott, has been all over the place. Trey's from Nashville, stopping in Lubbock. You want to say howdy to everybody in Lubbock? Howdy, y'all. Don't you think, though, Trey, that even, like, I have a lot of cousins in Nashville, you and a lot of other cousins but growing up making that track back and forth and then you learn about the alamo and crockett and and all these guys who came down like i've always thought that texans and tennesseans were were figuratively and literally in my experience cousins yes i feel the same way there's there's a whole like liberty or die sense in in helping hands here and there (laughs) with some helping hands uh trey we call him Trevo. Uh, you've been all, you've been driving all. You went from Nashville to to Massachusetts, then kind of stayed up in the north. Made my way to uh, Utah. Another cousin, other side of the family, and my sister in San Diego. And then you came back across to mm-hmm. West Texas. Yep, I thought I'd skirt the bottom. Yep. See you guys. <laughs> wow, uh, that That's, that was just a figure of speech. You were just talking about me, not listeners. Okay. Well, now I feel great about bringing you on air. Thanks for coming, Trey. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> With that, we're going to close. <laughs> no, it is a true story, though. Uh, 
Trey and I, our grandfather was Roland Wolf. He was a radio guy in Nashville. And um, our grandfather was a pretty ardent Roman Catholic. Yes, he I, was. I took the kids. I don't have I talked about it on the show me taking the kids to to Catholic mass on Easter. Uh-uh. Just oh, because, you did that? Oh yeah, I was like Charity, let's just go to Catholic mass. She said we're not Catholic. I said, of course we're not Catholic. But the Catholics have been doing Easter longer than anybody. Like this will be awesome. And our kids like like not ADD but like little kid ADD like uh-huh. give me a coloring book. They won't even need coloring books. They'll be like, "Whoa, look at the incense and the crucifix and the the hot tub, you know, like the holy water thing up front." Yeah. And, but and they did. They they completely went for it. I, I am going to tell that story soon. I mean, it was. I, I, I can tell you. I'll just ruin the story because it ends with this: the priest thanking everybody for coming, and. Uh, those of you who've not come very often to Mass, and then he looks right at us and says, and it's a full house. It's Christ the King in Lubbock. Like, that's not a small place. I think and he it, went to the he, same church on Easter. Oh, there you go. That's so strange. He looked right at us, and he said, I want, you know, I want to thank everybody who come, da, da, da. And he looked right at us, because my kids were just rip-roaring the whole time. What's the thing called that you kneel on, Trey? A kneeler. And, okay, yeah. Well, that the makes risers. a lot of sense. And so they were standing on the kneeler, and Charity's like, Stop it! Stop it! Get off of that! And then I look around like other kids are doing, like, Hey, it's fine. They do not have pencils in the pews. They do not have pencils. And Methodists, we assume that there's going to be pencils in the pews for them to play on their spirals. But anyway, all that to close out the program to say that our grandfather is Roman, uh, Roman Catholic, very ardent Roman Catholic. And he one day on Tennessee radio had a lot to say about a certain sect of Protestants. Mm -hmm. And that was his last day on air because Al Gore Sr., who was then, like people are like, least and sympathetic to Democrats. Like, no, my grandfather was fired by Al Gore Sr. (laughs) Like, like hell cakes to come. Yeah. But yeah, they went and they, uh, they lobbied Al Gore Sr. and... Roland Wolf lost his gig, man. Rest in peace, Grandpa. He found another one. He did. He moved to another place, but it was never quite the same. At least that's what I've heard. So forget you, Al Gore, and your global warming, and your dad who got my granddad fired. That concludes this episode of Other Side of Texas because I got to go home. Got to go home. Would stay longer, but I got to... A fairly good dinner and a great family waiting. Thank you for tuning in, and thanks for telling a friend that you hang out on the other side of Texas. Check us out, othersideoftexas.com. Grab your friend's phone when next time they're on the phone not talking to you and say, just grab it and go to podcasts and go to other side of Texas and subscribe them to it. Great content there. And we do appreciate wouldn't be here without you. I'm going to tune out now. Go home. Have a great evening, and we'll see you again on the other side of Texas.